All right, so we've got two categories left. Let's start it out with U.S. documentary competition and the film Ailey about Alvin Ailey, a visionary artist who found salvation through dance, told in his own words and through the creation of a dance inspired by his life. This immersive portrait follows a man who, when confronted by a world that refused to embrace him, determined to build one that would. Directed by Jamila Wigno, it's a a documentary about his life. And uh, we talked a little bit before, there are uh, several documentaries that are kind of profiles of people. I think every year Sundance is always uh, puts a couple of these out. It's kind of like the most dependable form of a documentary. And I think the real question with a, a film like that is, does it make you interested in a subject that you weren't interested in before you started the documentary. And unfortunately, in the case of Ailey, I got to say the answer is no. It didn't make me care for the duration of the documentary, but not in the way that I want to now go see uh, like more some more clips of Sesame Street after Street Gang or something like that. It kind of my interest in it kind of ended when the movie ended. He's he's obviously lived a remarkable life and is a, a major player in his field. But I don't know if the documentary did quite enough to inspire me the way that you want some of these profile pieces to inspire you. Do you think it's a matter of it being dance? That is definitely a possibility in that I am not <laughs> interested in dance as an art form. It, not that I don't think you it's, know? you know, a, a valid art form. It's just not where my interests lie. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, yeah, because I, I feel you. I think it's a great breakdown of his history. I mean, the man's had a legacy yeah. of 60 plus years, which is one thing that they talk about and looking at all the archives and how he was able to express himself. Neon picked it up, yeah. so I'm sure that they're going to have a pretty good uh, release with it, even be it on Hulu. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of the times that the subjects of the docs will depend on do you care to go back and watch um, their work and stuff. Mm-hmm. But that was a decent, decent, uh, what did you call it? Profile. Yeah. On the man himself. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about All Light Everywhere, an exploration of the shared histories of cameras, weapons, policing, and justice. As surveillance technologies become a fixture in everyday life, the film interrogates the complexity of an objective viewpoint, probing the biases inherent in both human perception and the lens. It's a very heady plot description, but it's a very heady movie. This one won the Special Jury Award for Nonfiction Experimentation because it's it's a very experimental documentary taken in all these different vignettes of, of different things that are sort of tangentially related to the idea of observation, whether that's uh, the surveillance state of America and security, whether that's through police cameras and body cameras or or cameras attached to homing pigeons used during war times. Uh, It's it's a film that tackles this idea of how we see things and whether or not you can actually see them in an objective way. So interestingly, like it it's one of those films where rather than answering the question, it asks a question about the question. And that's something that I kind of love about this documentary. It It's very yes. ruminative and slow, but it is fascinating. Art, I know you also thought this one was fascinating. Yo, those two hours weren't enough almost, it felt. Mm-hmm. This is what Glitch in the Matrix thought it was going yeah. to be. There's even a shot. that The shot I mentioned from Glitch in the Matrix, they replicated in this as mm-hmm. well. Uh, another through line. This is what another one that we're going to be talking about in a little bit. Users, I think, tried to go for. 
it is slow. It takes its time. It is breaking the fourth wall. It is showing you not the setup of when he's visiting a place. He's showing you, all right, so now we're going to, you're going to come in. Yeah, you're going to come in. You're going to look at the camera. We're going to do that. The fact that he's able to get people from this, uh, what was it, Axon, Axos yeah. company, and where they just, Axon, they, they revealed things to you. And I don't know what's more fascinating, the revelations or the guy who's showing it to you going, this is what we do. Mm -hmm. Let me show it to you without him thinking that it's a hit piece or anything like that. We are as transparent as it can be, which is really interesting considering what the story is telling you. Yeah. I was fascinated by it's it. It's one of those documentaries that make sure to, to show you explicitly like this is a construction for the documentary. You know, some documentaries do this where it's like we built this set. By the way, this is how we built this set. It's not a real uh, room uh, and, and I like that because Yo, this, back is, on the edit. this yeah. is a movie that's really like trying to pull the curtain open right this is like show us the man who is Oz uh, <laughs> it, it, I, I liked I liked the introspective na or the, the questioning nature of this film so yeah yeah it, really cool I movie. thought it was very well done I highly recommend this one and I like what they say a body camera still has a body Ooh. at the ready from director Maisie Crow it's about Students at Horizon High School, home to one of the region's largest law enforcement education programs, who these students train to become police officers and border patrol agents while they discover the realities of their dream jobs and how they may be at odds with the people that they hold dear. I thought this was a pretty fascinating you know, dissection of the issues given that this high school that they're profiling is entirely occupied by uh, Latinx students. So the, the, the people for whom the immigration crisis probably hits closest to home. And in, in this program, these kids are being recruited with these ideas of power, like the power fantasy that comes with being given a badge and a gun and, and the allure that being able to tell people what to do uh, brings and, and not necessarily through like an altruistic sense of doing good. And, and because they are so not just spiritually close to the idea of immigration, but physically close to it being in El Paso. It just is such a hot button issue. I think it's so interesting to see these kids who are very much at a crossroads knowing, yes, this is probably the most secure career path that I could follow, but will this destroy me morally as a person? I, I really like mm -hmm. that element to the documentary. Mm -hmm. I know Amanda didn't feel quite as strongly as I did about it, though. Yeah, I feel like we there were so many documentaries this year that were like teenagers in high school. Yeah. Um, but this did have an element where like so they, they record this guy just casually going on this like tirade to be like, I'm going to like knock them over and be like, boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, this is like a 17 year old, like just having some kind of like murder fantasy, like where he's waiting, like your nightmare, like the cop yeah. that's waiting for the day that somebody just looks at him the wrong way and he can kill them mm -hmm. for it i was like two in the head one in the chest yeah that's what he said two in the head one in the chest i was like excuse word <laughs> um but there there was like a really interesting character who was kind of like at the top of her class yeah. and then it kind of showed the different dynamics she was one of the ones that she said something that was like oh no honey this is a documentary what is you doing but then it's like it's been she she knew that by the time the documentary came out that she'd be in a different location i guess but i was like there were some really interesting storylines through this that that I did enjoy, um, but I guess as like a documentary as a whole, it just didn't 
hit as hard as some of the other ones that, that I watched. But uh, it is really interesting to, to be watching something where it's people that are trying to be uh, mostly uh, border immigration officers when that's something that is clearly hitting them very close to home and how it affects some of them and how it doesn't affect others. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I thought it was all right. It was yeah. the other two uh, high school docs that actually surprised me a lot more. But I'm I'm going to give this one another watch yeah. uh, eventually. But yeah, yeah. For sure. I, I thought it was all right. Let's get yeah. to the high school doc that I think had the lowest estimation, though, from the group. It's Cusp, Parker Hill and Isabel Bethencourt's <laughs> documentary about three teenage girls in a Texas military town who confront the dark corners of adolescence at the end of a fever dream summer. This has a, a really cool premise or, or like plot description. Uh, ultimately did win the special jury award for emerging filmmakers, but I know both of you had some issues with this art. Why don't you start? Um, some people have been calling this the cuties of this year, <laughs> practically, but the difference being in, instead of it being a narrative, it's a documentary that asks the question, at what point do you just document and not intervene? Mm. You know, yeah. we talked about previously uh, Higher Love, one that came out of Slam Dance. <sighs> that one also did some stuff as well where, you know, they decide to not interfere with the subject. And again, this is the story of a bunch of girls who live in Texas who don't come from, you know, I guess... The most stable families. And at the same time, you know, they are looking uh, either outward to, you know, boys who are not going to be like the same other boys. But damn, the amount of times you count four locos, the amount of times you count different variety of drugs. It was more than the little peep songs that they had in this. Yep. It is beautifully shot. It is yeah. literally it is effective at what it's supposed to be, which is capturing these girls lives. If, if you want to fake that, there is a way to do it. Fabricate it. Don't showcase mm -hmm. it. Um, so I could see the moral dilemma of a lot of these documentaries that are capturing these stories to tell you what is going on. And it is extremely effective at that. That is why I believe it won. The directors, uh, they have a couple of shorts that I found really interesting. Um, they have one called One Good Pitch and Homing, Homing In, both on Vimeo. I think that they are going to be very, very, very good directors. This is going to be a doc that is going to be on a lot of people's radar as soon as it gets a trailer, as soon mm -hmm. as it gets released. There will definitely be a lot of controversy with it. Yeah. But again, kind of like with Cuties, which I still have not caught, but Same. I understand the dilemma with that one. You're not answering what's actually going on in the doc. Mm -hmm. Like that's still going. Okay, you don't want to see the movie. Cool. Do you also not want to see what's going on? Are we also not going to do anything about that? And yeah. that's what the documentary is showcasing to you. Going to be a real interesting rollout for this one, but these are directors to watch for. Yeah, this was one of those ones I feel like I can't actually even rate it because it just feels I'm like not, Sabaya. Yeah, it's 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 like it's exploitative in certain ways because it is just trying to show you exactly what these people are going to. And I know that apparently it got made because they they walked in on this group of girls at a convenience store Get, and were yeah. like, yeah, we want a gas station. And we just like we want to capture that energy on film. And I feel like that actually isn't necessarily there because you're not getting the really honest moments with all of them hanging out because I don't think you'll ever get the really honest moments of them hanging out when you have a camera in front of their faces and they know that it's going to be broadcast somewhere which Another makes the stuff that well. they do show even more horrific because it shows how little they actually see it as an issue. Like we have young girls that are admitting to being assaulted, admitting to being coerced into sex, being the word I will not say for the sake of YouTube <laughs> and then thinking that these people love them. Mm -hmm. 
And the fact that some of these guys are willing to allow themselves to be filmed shows how much there's a Bro. cultural disconnect here <laughs> that they don't even know that what they're doing is a felony. It's a felony. You've got like people in their mid twenties going after fifteen. Like this is a felt. This is not just like that's questionable. She even it's says what felony. changed when a month passed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like he said, it's too bad you're not fifteen. And then I guess he decided it didn't matter anymore. I say that. However, this is probably one of the documentaries I'd be most likely to watch again, just to like, because of I, I don't know. It's effective. It, it's effective. And what it does, it, it literally me, captures. But I wish that there had been something more that happened like i just wish that like this is one of those things that's like cool you've been in the documentary here's your free counseling that we're giving you <laughs> like, you know it's interesting uh we were discussing all light everywhere there is a huge discussion that happens in baltimore about cameras and if you're being watched does that change what you do and mm. it's interesting to then compare that to cusp to see that they are yeah. on camera and just like what they said in baltimore that it don't doesn't change a damn mm -hmm. thing when you enter a store you're still going to commit the crime they ain't care either because like you said, they don't see what's happening as being wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And when you compare to what's, they follow the parents for a little bit. And there's yeah. a dad they never show, but you hear him. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't want to be on camera, but he is that factor. He is the patriarch that's causing this family to be the way that, that it is. Mm -hmm. And what the mom says, it's heartbreaking. And when you realize that the mom's willing to accept it, what, is the what else do? are you going to expect from, from the kids? Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Homeroom. <laughs> it's directed by <laughs> Peter Nix. Homeroom follows the class of 2020 at Oakland High School in a year marked by seismic change, exploring the emotional world of teenagers coming of age against the backdrop of a rapidly changing world. This one took home the Jonathan Oppenheim Editing Award, apparently the first Good. annual Jonathan Oppheim editing award. Great. Uh, and yeah, it, it, the way that it is able to take you through what was an extremely tumultuous 2019-2020 school year for, I'm sure, many people. You know, this is, again, one of those films that was started pre-coronavirus things and then as the world uh, came to a halt and then as it exploded in uh, pro the protest movement of last summer, uh, you know, I think this documentary team was able to very effectively be there with these kids throughout the whole thing. And there's a really interesting element in the film about the police presence in schools and how that comes up both before and after the explosion in protests. I think it's really amazing to see how it gets put to how how it gets implemented here in the film. Yeah. I thought this was a riveting documentary. Like when you talk about these documentaries that are trying to give you a picture of what youth life is like, I thought this was really effective. It, you know, it, I, I liked all the shots that you just get over kids' shoulders where you see them uh, scrolling through their phones. It's, it's, it's a nice way to kind of be put into their situation. Yeah, it, it's a really well done documentary. I, I was surprised by how much I liked this one. I like it more and more the more I think about it. I want to go back because I think you had mentioned it's a trilogy of films that he's been working on. Yep. Uh, this being the final one. And I, I, the more I think about it, like I, I have it at a three and a half, but it might even be a four. I had even written down the reaction cutaways whenever an adult speaks and they cut to a kid going, <laughs> it's just that's like, stupid. And then, yeah, and yeah. then it wins the editing award. And I was like, those were some of the best reactions because it's putting you the whole purpose of the movie is that they have created their own student council because nobody is speaking for these 35,000 Oakland students. Yeah. 
No one's so they're like, we're going to create our own thing. And then nobody listens and nobody listens and nobody listens. And it took a pandemic shifting to a social justice revolution for them to be like, oh, <laughs> y'all said something last year, right? Um, like City So Real, I think it does a very effective job of having a documentary that's being made about a subject, about a place in Oakland. Uh, the man's even gotten a shout out. Uh, he had thanks in Fruitvale Station. So this man is engraved in the Oakland area. And then having that transition into the COVID period in 2020, and then seeing these characters, the, I don't want to call them characters, but these subjects, mm-hmm. who you've, these students who you've already been following, and then entering that world. Uh, I thought it was very effective. I can't wait to go back to see the other two that he's done. I mean, I believe this is also based on a story that was done about these students in Oakland as well. Very good. Nice. Rebel Hearts, directed by Pedro Koss, about a group of pioneering nuns bravely standing up to the Catholic Church patriarchy, fighting for their livelihoods, convictions, and equality against an all-powerful cardinal from marching in, the Sel- in Selma in 1965 to the Women's March in 2018. These women have reshaped our society with their bold acts of defiance. Arturo, tell me about this one really well edited. I know the director, I believe, had done something with HBO, so we may be seeing this one. Lady liked it, too. (laughs) We may be seeing this on HBO. It's a very interesting story of these nuns who also had to deal with the business side of religion because the main dude who came to California was a businessman before he was a cardinal. And when you're a businessman, you realize, let's make all these buildings. And most of those buildings are schools. And when you have those schools, you run everything, including the nuns who will fill them. And they had enough. And I think it's a very fascinating story of following them, not only how they were portrayed in the media, like you get their own personal stories, but it's interesting to see how they're portrayed in the media to then how they turn into actual heroes and everybody else who they influence. But it's very beautifully edited. They do a great job of animating the the newspaper clippings. So it'll be the newspaper oh, clipping cool. and then it'll be it'll like be animated and become live yeah. action. Again, just a really good look at these uh, nuns who were not considered nuns because they weren't playing in the established rules that they were supposed to be uh, playing in while showcasing you that, yo, religion and the hierarchy that's in there, it's still business at the end of the day, all right? (laughs) It is. But uh, yeah, really good doc. Rita Moreno, just a girl who decided to go for it from director Mariam Perez Riera. (laughs) It's about Rita Moreno's career, the... One of the select few to have won the EGOT Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony Awards. Her 70-year career has paved the way for many Hispanic American performers who refuse to be pigeonholed into one-dimensional stereotypes. Another one of these profile documentaries, but I think this one you really do get a great a great look at the varied career of Rita Moreno, not only the amazing work that she's done over so many years, but some of the stuff that she's done away from the camera. I, for example, I had no idea of how involved she was in the civil rights movement, that she was there oh, wow. uh, for Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech in, in the audience. <laughs> but, you know, I think she's just a fascinating figure, obviously just an incredibly charismatic presence and the film benefits from having her as one of the interview subjects. So I, 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 w- I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was a great profile. Art, I know you liked it too. Oh, I was really looking forward to this one. Ended up being my third favorite from the U.S. docs. But again, we've had we've been discussing this. Just like Tony Parker told the Tony Parker story from his perspective with his energy. CeCe Sabathia had his. Same thing with some of the other docs we've talked about here. She just has that energy. Is it is it the full story? Will we have more Rita docs? Of course we will. But as the official Rita doc, uh, I, I found it very fascinating. A lot of the stuff from Marlon Brando. 
there is, you know, one of the warnings that they had about here was her own personal stories dealing with assault as well. But that opening shot is such a flex, bro. She's just sitting there. She's like, hi, I'm Rita with the Ega, the Grammy, the Oscar, the Tony. Um, there's a line from Whoopi in this movie that I keep reciting where, again, Whoopi is also an EGOT winner. And she goes, we, an, we, we didn't even know that you can get one of those. We didn't know what an EGOT was. <laughs> we just like showed up to work and I guess people liked it. And it's like such a <laughs> badass line. It's like, I guess we just clocked into our nine to five and people were like, here's some gold. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a flex of a documentary. It's her legacy piece, practically. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, she's still kicking. She's still doing several projects. You know, they they cancel and renew one day at a time, every day at a time. Yeah. So I love Rita. Uh, I like how at a certain point she said there was no one for me to look up to. So I started in a movie and I looked up to myself. I was like, Ooh, Rita, that said. Lean Manuel is in too many stuff, my homie. You got to take a break a little bit. I love you, yeah. but you got to take a break. And his hair is also up. like I, he's going through some weird hair phases right now. Yeah, I think since thirteen. But it's like my Lee Manuel counter during Sundance was like, there he is again. Yep. There he is again. No offense to the man, but it's just one of those things. The overexposure of it. But I guess good for him. Yeah, another Sundance parallel. Lin Manuel in, in documentaries. In everything, yeah. But no, really great doc. Yeah. So from one documentary featuring Lin-Manuel as a talking head to another documentary featuring Lin-Manuel as a talking head, Summer of Soul or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, directed by Amir Questlove Thompson of the legendary Roots crew during the summer of the during the same summer as Woodstock, summer 96, over 300,000 people attended the Harlem Cultural Festival, celebrating African-American music and culture and promoting black pride and unity. The footage from the festival sat in a basement unseen for 50 years, keeping this incredible event in America's history lost until now and yeah that that is really the crux of it it is this historical event it's not just like a music documentary this is these mm -hmm. are historic figures and the fact that this performance which you know has the same star star level as a concert like Woodstock is not remembered in the same breath as something like Woodstock is is kind of crazy to me because you you see these performances from Gladys Knight and the Pips from Nina Simone from from Yo. Mavis Staples from Stevie Wonder from Sly and the Family Super Stone from the Stevie. fifth generation. It just there's so much talent on these stages, and that's really the big pleasure of this documentary. Questlove is clearly giving deference to these performers. He he's a musician. I'm sure he wants to watch these performances, and he knows you want to watch them too. But there's like just the right amount of cultural reference points and talking heads giving you explainers that that kind of bring you to that moment why certain things were important why certain people were amazing that that just makes this a really incredible experience it was my favorite documentary of the Sundance Film Festival it was the Ooh. favorite document favorite documentary of a lot of people because it won the grand jury prize and the audience award for a documentary mm -hmm. so yeah I like this one a lot what art was this also your choice for best documentary of the fest my second. I have one more that's still okay. top to be. Honestly, they're like damn near close to being tied. I have this above Rita, and I love when Quest said, I want. I didn't even know we were in competition. a competition. He was just <laughs> making something that he had so much passion for. And that. like you said, it, it it's it's a multitude of different things in once. This yeah. deserves to be seen in a theater because it is a mm -hmm. an absolute concert film. Because this is an event, like Zach said, that has not been showcased like Woodstock has been able to be. Woodstock is at its own 
documentaries and breakdowns and 60-minute journalistic stuff. like 30 different As well as clips. DVDs. Yeah. You know like, what I'm saying? Yeah. This has been lost. And the biggest factor to it, besides having it be a concert film from iconic people who performed, is then being able to see those iconic people watch the performance they yeah. did that they didn't even know was going to be available. And there are uh, conversations with people who said, I knew this existed. <laughs> I just thought it was in my mind. That yeah. then creates it from a concert film to something where, as he pieces in a lot of narratives from you know what they were going through at that time and the different performers who came in and just, you know, because it was yeah. 69, I want to say, so it's not yeah, just Woodstock, 69. but they were talking about the moon landing and how everyone was more focused on that and all the money that was going to the moon while people in America were dying, dying they didn't have yeah. enough. He he did something with this. I he really did. enjoyed it, and and just so you all know, there is an after credits as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was pretty funny. So yeah, no, this hits on on, on several cylinders, and uh, is a very effective doc, and a very important doc as well. Agreed. And I hope that they're able to um, not just release this in theaters, but you know, having those sequences out there because people go back and watch the Woodstock clips, mm -hmm. you know, not in a documentary, just the clips themselves. And for a lot of people, this has been lost and now it's there. It shows you the importance of film mm -hmm. to be able to document something for it to be carried. And you can't say it doesn't because that's why we all know Woodstock. And this one did not get the opportunity to, to, to be so. And yet everyone who performed there became legends. So very effective. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right, so time for our last high school documentary. This one is Try Harder from Debbie Lum. In a universe where cool kids are nerds, the orchestra is world class, and being Asian American is the norm, seniors at Lowell High School compete for the top prize, admission to the college of their dreams. It's a really interesting documentary talking about the extremely competitive environment surrounding college admissions, primarily at these college preparatory academy type of schools this is a public school but it's the top ranked school uh, in its area and and sends many kids to these elite colleges places like harvard and stanford and cornell and uh, mm -hmm. ivies and yeah so you get this really interesting portrait of what it's like to be a kid forced to perform under these intense expectations these these kids who are sacrificing the pleasures of childhood in order to study harder to take on more extracurriculars to join the debate team and pick up violin and make sure that their college applications look just as perfect as possible in order to gain admittance to these top schools i was Really, uh, I, I was really blown away by this movie. I thought it was such a fascinating uh, look at this type of culture, what what it does to these kids, and, and watching their journey as the at acceptances start to pour in and as the anxiety starts to increase and as people look at their options and try to determine what's the best for their future. And meanwhile, you know, we have the knowledge of <laughs> looking at them from the outside being like, you will be fine. Like you'll, chances are you you seem like a very yeah. smart kid and you'll be smart at whatever college you go to. I was really moved by this one. It's got a really great ending too. Yeah. This it was next to next to uh, uh, Summer of Soul as my favorite documentary of the festival. I have it slightly slightly underneath. Uh, but Amanda, I know yeah. you caught this one as well. What'd you think? I really like this one. And, and the one thing I will say is that this, like, where it is people kind of firing at all cylinders and it's, um, 
uh, supposed to be one of these schools. Like, if you go here, you have a better chance getting into the schools. But they literally acknowledge that Stanford doesn't like picking up people from this school. Yeah. So at what point, do, what is the you point know? of going to a school like this if it's actually giving you a disadvantage of some of the highest ranked schools yeah. in the country? At what that. point would it be better that. to just be going to some random high school where they're like, look at this person accomplishing so much yeah. at a school versus look at this person accomplishing not as much as the 20 other like people who have been probably maybe slightly psychologically abused their entire mm -hmm. life to be the highest performing person that they can be so like that's to me that's the really horrific aspect of it is that these people these kids are like destroying themselves doing like ap classes multiple different student like activities and stuff and like some of them still they're like oh didn't get into my first choice didn't get into my second choice this one's really scary this was my backup and they didn't want to take mm -hmm. me and i'm like how crushing would that be because even if realistically they would be fine if they went to any university and they would achieve that damages your psyche when your entire life has mm -hmm. been made to build you up to that moment and you don't make it it doesn't matter if you will be fine going somewhere else because you, to you, you won't be because you've hinged everything on that moment. That's horrific to me. <laughs> yeah. We saw the prequel to this. It's called Chasing Childhood. <laughs> uh, we covered it earlier from last year. It's this, but in terms of a kid not being able to have a childhood and it's just them, you know, already <laughs> learning piano, whatever it is. Yeah. This is my number one U.S. doc. Uh, absolutely mm -hmm. floored invested with this movie we yeah. got this before the fest had even started we mm -hmm. went through the whole fest day has passed yeah i yeah. damn me i liked it that much i Same. the moment it scared me was when something happens to one of the subjects who helps the kids and i went mm. oh i feel something mm -hmm. Oh, no, damn. Are we going to follow these kids all the way to the end? And that's <laughs> when I realized I tried to de-invest myself yeah. because it is so effective at putting you, like Amanda said and Zach said, into these kids having to um, bet it all. How many AP classes should I take if at the end of it that's money away from the college? Uh, one of the students is dealing with her biracial identity. Another one is dealing with um, an immigrant parent who wants to do things not the way they should be done in America. Mm -hmm. uh, and then a kid who... That ending's that. Yeah. Like, we talked about it immediately afterwards. This is a documentary I would recommend just highly to everybody. It, I also have it right, like, Summer of Soul is yeah. right on, wherever you have it, it's, it's just swapped for me because I was so invested with these kids. Yeah. And the editing in it is also fantastic, the way that one kid will be complaining about something and they'll <laughs> intercut it into either another storyline or to another bit that's happening. There yeah. is a shorts bit that happens. Do you remember that? <laughs> during a prom yeah. or a dance yeah. or something and a kid's talking about his shorts <laughs> I, they got me on record I played that clip three times I thought it was so yeah. funny I was so invested into these kids and yeah. uh, it just like Amanda was saying and it just messes you mm -hmm. up it does my high school was a they think you're setting up for your future it, yeah. go ahead my high school was a lot like this one and I, I this, oh, doc really? yeah, this documentary Dude. is extremely true to that experience to, to the anxiety of it, to the competition of it, to, to the isolation of it. I, I think it's a really, really fascinating uh, type, type of dissection of what we do to these kids and the type of, uh, type of pressures put onto you 
when you're told that college is kind of like your gateway to a happy life and like you got to get into a good college mm-hmm. to get, get a good job to be successful and blah 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 and like how how much it hangs mm-hmm. over the head of a child these are children with not fully yeah. developed brains yeah exactly so yeah i really really like this yeah. one i think we're going to talk about it more Same. whenever it comes out I felt every emotion. I was mad. Same. I was cheering. I felt I felt betrayed sometimes. I felt encouraged sometimes. Mm-hmm. It made me feel everything. Like this is this is a damn great duck. Yeah. Try harder. Yeah. Highly, highly, highly. Try harder. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. With exclamation point. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Fantastic. They want you to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The last documentary in the U.S. documentary category is Users, directed by Natalia Aymada. A mother wonders, will my children love the perfect machines more than they love me, their imperfect mother? She switches on a smart crib, lulling her crying baby to sleep. This perfect mother is everywhere. She watches over us, takes care of us. We listen to her. We trust her. This one won the directing award for this category, uh, kind of about the intersection of raising children and technology. Art, I think you're the only one of us that caught this one, and I know you weren't that high on it. I think these are all great docs in this category. Users was not for me. She did say that she had gone about it from the perspective of wanting to, she got the creativity when she gave birth and she wanted to show what you just described, what happens when you have a digital mother instead. And it is beautifully shot. But she herself called it an essay film over a documentary, and I would 100% agree. There is some beautiful shots that you get in this. She's trying to go about it from trying to talk about technology but not showing you a kid looking at a screen or even capturing a screen. She wanted to to go beyond that. And I'll rewatch it at some point, but no. Not for (laughs) me. Not not so much. Again, I think that we covered several other ones from At The Ready to even All Light Everywhere. And there have already been other docs on Netflix and such that uh, cover this from a little bit better of a perspective, but looks beautiful. I wish I could say more about yeah. it. I, I don't hate it, but tested my patience. And I saw some very slow films. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, those are our, the documentary picks. We're going to get into the last and possibly biggest category of Sundance. It's the U.S. Dra- Dramatic Competition.